Flyers Daily with Jason Mertides. All right, here we go. Another brand new edition of Flyers Daily with Jason Mertides. Flyers will be back at it tonight when they take on the Washington Capitals on the road. Back-to-back games today and tomorrow. Tonight in D.C. versus the Caps. Tomorrow night at home versus the Rangers. And Bobby Brink slated to make his NHL debut tonight for the Philadelphia Flyers. Flyers come in, 72 games played, a record of 23-38-11, and 11, 57 points, seventh spot, one point up on the Devils in the Metropolitan Division. The Caps, wildcard team right now, 72 games played, 40-22-10, 90 points on the season, 6-4 and four in their last 10. They've won three straight, so Flyers, Caps tonight. In this episode, we have part two of Ask Billy coming up. But first, let's get to the Flyers' interim head coach. It is Mike Yo uh, joining us on this episode of Flyers Daily. How you doing, Mike? Good, Jason. How you doing? I'm doing well. I want to start off with the Anaheim game the other night because I was a little, I was annoyed <laughs> because you know you guys go out in that Columbus game, that four-one win, and it reminded me of something a coach told me when I was playing growing up, and he said they got nothing because we gave them nothing. You guys gave Columbus nothing. And that translated to the first period on Saturday against Anaheim, but then in that second period, it seems like old habits die hard. Uh, the team, I guess, has to prove, Mike, that that's a one-off and that's not going to move forward, right? Yeah, well, you know what? I, I, we just showed that we're still learning a lot of things. And, uh, you know, I think, you know, you look at, obviously, we've got a lot of young guys in our lineup, and, you know, whether it's trades and whatnot, we have some veteran guys out of the lineup. Uh, it's a good reminder that uh, that things don't come easy to us. It's been one of the first games in a long time where we just kind of we got up early, everything was just kind of going well, and then we sort of had the mindset and and uh, and the feel of okay, it's going to be an easy night, it's going to be point night, and then we just backed off. Um, you know, I think one of the big lessons for our group is number one, don't let that happen. But number two, there's always there's always momentum shifts through the course of a game, and uh, and one thing that we haven't been very good at is turning the momentum back when it starts to go. And uh, and so we have to learn how to do that. And, you know, I think sometimes we think that it's you go out there and do something amazing and 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 that's what does it. But meanwhile, it's it's not one great thing. It's it's a collection of a bunch of little good things. And uh, because we try to do that one great thing, it just keeps snowballing and, uh, and we don't get out of it until we get to the next period. You guys had an opportunity to, Morgan, really created a play there. TK ended up bringing it off the post. She was giving you guys the lead again. But the posts are part of hockey. Uh, let me let me ask you about Kevin Hayes before I get to some of the younger guys. Because, Mike, him coming back, I, I was beating the drum that it's important for him to come back, you know, so he feels better about his season, gets his body in order, breaks through some of that scar tissue. But he's come back, Mike, and been really good. He looks like Kevin Hayes of a couple years ago. And it seems like no matter who you put him with, they're producing as well. What's it about his game right now that's just working so well for you? Well, obviously he's he's healthy. You know, and that's the big thing. He, yep. It's you know what he went through earlier in the year. He, uh, he deserves so much credit for staying with it, for um, for getting himself to this point, and and for continuing to battle and try to play when he was feeling way less than a hundred percent. You know, that's the kind of guy he is. He he wants to do well here in Philly. He 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 really wants to contribute and he wants to turn things around. Uh, so that's a big part of it. Obviously, he recognizes there's a leadership void right now with a guy like G being out, with Coots being out, and so he's trying to fill that, no question. That leadership void, there's a, an on-the-ice element to that void. There's an off-the-ice element and just an organizational element. But that's an opportunity for guys like Hazy, like TK, some of the other guys to now move into that, and that could be a really good thing. 
Oh, no question. And it can help your game in a lot of ways too. I, you know, I've always felt that a, a player who's, you know, more vocal, more engaged through, through the entire game, not just in their particular shifts that they play better. And, uh, and so some of these guys are still learning how to do that, but, uh, but no question that they are all trying to embrace it. Let's talk about a couple of the young guys. I know you're on the move, so we're going to get to you quick here. Uh, let's start with Noah Cates because he comes in, Mike, and he looks like a guy that coaches like to have because he's got a detailed game, a diligent game in all zones, and he looks like he's fit in real well with you guys. Yeah, he's the kind of guy that can fill different uh, roles within your team. You know, he can play on a skilled line. He's going to complement them because he's, you know, going to be F1 or, you know, if needed, or he's going to be F3 if needed. And, he, you know, he's a guy that can players can read off if he's going to, He's going to work. That's one of the things I love. He's, you know, he, he takes short shifts because he doesn't take a second off. He's it's 35 seconds or 35 seconds of work. Um, and, uh, and so we can put him in different spots. We can play him on a checking line tomorrow, which is probably going to be the case. Um, or we can move him up the lineup and, and have him with more skilled players. So uh, obviously everybody's seeing him out there doing, doing a great job on penalty killing. He's got a lot of, a lot of good detail in his game. A lot of really good habits. You can tell he's been well coached, can't you? Yeah, yeah, I, I know Scott Sandlin real well, uh, yeah. real good, real good coach, and uh, so him, he, he does an outstanding job developing players uh, like like pro hockey players. Uh, the one thing about him too is, you know, are you going to move him into the middle at some point? Take a look at him at the center position. Uh, you know what he, he's, we've we've talked about it. He's not he's not real comfortable. He hasn't played a lot of center, um, you know, through the college ranks. So right mm-hmm. now we got him on wing. Yeah, and lighten his load a little bit. Let's talk about uh, Ronnie Adder because you know he comes in, he has that dash four in the first game, but made some plays. He's going to make mistakes. That's part of the process coming from the collegiate game right into the NHL. Uh, but what have you seen out of Ronnie? I know he's getting some power play time, and he's got that big, heavy shot that you like from the point. Yeah, you, see, you know what? I, obviously, getting the goal off the face off there, that's one thing I think that we just don't do nearly enough. Is It seems like we're, we're play-oriented as opposed to shot-oriented. Um, but... Uh, He's certainly got the shot. Um, you know, he's got he's got the tools, the skating ability, good stick range, size. Um, you know, mistakes are going to happen, like you said. It's it's learning the pro game, what you can get away with and what you can't get away with at this level. You know, he's he's admitted, you know, himself that he could do some things at the college level and, and he was able to recover, whereas here you don't have that time to recover. The players are just too fast, too skilled, and, and too smart. So... Uh, he's adjusting to that, but one of the things that I, I was most impressed with, uh, you know, like you said, dash four in his first game, still did some good things in that game, but a lot of players, you know, I mentioned this earlier, that a lot of players that would have broke them, and uh, yeah. and he came back with a real strong game the next game. To me, that shows something. That's There's some character there. There's, uh, you know, some swagger with the kid, and, uh, you know, he's, he's, he's shown progress in all the areas that he needs to improve, and, and that's a great quality. He doesn't seem intimidated by uh, the level either, which I think is important, especially for a D-man. Let's talk about Tip because he comes in, Mike, and, you know, I, I remember him in his draft year back in 2017. You know, he was a good skater. But to me, he must have done some explosive work uh, throughout the last couple of years because he's got more explosive skating than I recalled. Uh, have you been impressed with the way he moves around the ice? Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, he's a power. It's apparent, player. isn't it? Yeah, yeah, no question. I mean, he's – you don't get you don't get breakaways the way that he has without without having that speed, but also the anticipation to go with it, and, and obviously some some high end offensive hockey sense hockey sense. So um, I've been really impressed with him. I, my thing with him is I just don't think he knows quite how good he could be yet. 
Um, you know, he's the kind of guy that, that, that has the ability to take over games. And, um, you know, so I, we just have to keep kind of, uh, you know, putting him in positions where he can, he can continue to flourish and, and develop that confidence. Cause that's for me, what it is all about right now. Uh, Brink, you got him in your first practice. Uh, what'd you see out of him and will he be in the lineup uh, against the Caps? Yeah, he's playing tomorrow. So, uh, you know, going right into the fire, obviously Caps, a real tough team, tough building to play in, but, uh, uh, you know, I think he'll be real excited for that. And, you know, what we've seen is, is what, what's been advertised. He's, he's obviously not a real big guy, but he's got hockey sense. And he's competitive and he's going to work. Um, so uh, he's the kind of guy that uh, you, you add those two qualities with the skill level that he has. He's, he's a guy that finds a way to uh, make stuff happen when he's on the ice. You see more confidence out of Morgan, um, just the way he's carrying the puck through the neutral zone, body language. It all looks like he's gaining a lot of confidence. Yeah, it looks like he wants the puck now, you know, yeah. which it's not, it's not, uh, it's, you know, not a knock against him before. It's just now he, he wants the puck because he feels that something good can happen when he gets it. And, uh, and that's, that's a huge thing. I mean, it, it takes time. That's what it, it's hard for, it's hard for people to kind of understand that, but he missed so much time last year and, uh, and, and even the year before that, that uh, coming off the injury that, you know, he just needed to get that time, those reps, and now he's looking so much more confident out there. And that's one of the positives that, that, that we've had this year, you know, with, with the guys being out of the lineup, you know, with, uh, with us being out at the trade deadline. The one positive about that is that a guy like Morgan has been given the opportunity to get that ice time. And, and I think we can all see what it's done for him. Yeah, he looks like a player that wants to make plays now. Uh, last thing for you, Mike, I just get this vibe around the group, you know, Leading up to the deadline, there was obviously a lot of moving parts and a lot of variables. Now that that's kind of in the rear view, it really feels like kind of a fresh start in a lot of ways, even though you're still in the same season. Is the vibe around the group changed uh, with everything kind of settling now? A little bit, yeah. I mean, uh, I would say like in the last sort of two weeks, we've had sort of everything set. And, uh, you know, now you bring another body and Max coming back healthy now. So we're going to 14 forwards. So. Uh, you know, with that can be some good competition. And with that, there'll be some shuffling of roles. So uh, there'll be a bit of an adjustment. Uh, but uh, I would say that the guys, you know, we, we've been guilty of some things for sure. But one thing that uh, that we can definitely say is that this group has been ready to start games. They've been ready to come out. They've been ready to work. Uh, you know, at times we've been guilty of not staying with it for 60 minutes. Uh, you know, and sometimes we drift, uh, you know, and I, I don't want to say the commitment of our game, but more on the execution of our game. Uh, but uh, but the group, they, 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 they're continuing to work, and I'm impressed by that. Absolutely. Mike, thanks for doing this. Safe travels. Uh, good luck in the game against Caps. All right. Thanks, Jason. Thanks to Mike Yo for taking the time uh, on his travels to join us on this episode of Flyers Daily. Bobby Brink in the lineup tonight. Got some assessments there on some of the young players. Kate Adderd, Morgan Frost, Owen Tippett, not to mention... Some good conversation surrounding Kevin Hayes as well. It's the Flyers and the Caps tonight. But let's get to part two right now of Ask Billy. We had so much to tackle. We broke it up into two segments. And he joins us right now from PhiladelphiaFlyers.com, NHL.com, and HockeyBuzz.com. It is Bill Melter. Bill, how you doing? I'm doing well, Jason. How about you? I'm doing well. Trevor tweets in to Ask Billy and says, Bill, what's the biggest thing you're watching for as the Flyers come down to the, to the end of the season and wrapping up? What, what are you watching for right now? What, what are you kind of circling in your mind's eye? 
Um, well, we kind of you know, we spent most of the show talking about it so far. It's it's, it's the young players. Mm-hmm. I, I want to see those guys take a bigger bite of the team, um, show more consistency, set themselves up for you know to continue to grow their game next season. Um, you know, and I, I really those those are things I'm looking for. The other thing, other thing is, um, I don't want I, they're going to have work to do to do this. I don't want to see them finish 32nd on the power play. You know, actually, they they moved the puck a little bit better. I'd like to see a little bit better power play results. And uh, you know how, and they, you know, I mean, maybe Brink can come in and be one of those guys who helps in that area. But I mean, it's really it's really modest goals. I'm not looking for you know x number of wins or anything like that. Um, you and I are on board here that just going in and wasting away the schedule and you know, oh well, let's lose as many as we can. That that's not that's not the way you you ought to approach it, and they're not approaching it that way. I want to see them compete, you know. I, I want to see uh, I want to see players play like they're playing playing for next season, right? Yeah. And they want to be and they want to be here doing it too. I want to put yeah. guys who look like they they want to be part of the solution here. So it's really you know in some ways you know some ways it's lofty, in some ways it's modest, but that's really what I'm looking at. How about you? Yeah, same thing. And I'm looking to see what Provorov does down the stretch. I'm looking to see what Carter does down the stretch because I think that's important for him to finish strong, even though, you know, some of the results lately have been a bit lopsided against him. But uh, I'm looking for those things as well, other than, you know, absolutely the young players. I mean, to me, they've they've added just like a shot in the arm of, okay, this is definitely – they've definitely – Gone, Bob Seeger, and turn the page, and they're moving forward. Um, Eric, uh, let's combine two here. Uh, Flyers, Eric tweets in. He says, "Who do you think will be named the next uh, new head coach for the Flyers?" And I'll combine that with uh, the hockey probe tweets in and says, "Hey, Jason, Bill, uh, how do you and Bill feel about Paul Maurice as a coaching candidate? Also, do you see a scenario where the Flyers retain both Sanheim and Provorov in the offseason?" Thank you, guys. Ask Billy. So let's stick with the coach part. Um, let's talk about Paul Maurice first, and then you know, get into some of the other options, but what do you think of Paul Maurice? He's a guy that I really like long tenure in Winnipeg stepped away because he felt like his message wasn't getting through and he taken the team as far as he could respect a guy that does that too, by the way. Uh, what do you think of Paul Maurice and does he want to get back into coaching? Solid, solid, solid head, head coach. Um, has his team, you know, prepares his team. Well, uh, pretty good game day coach. Uh, you know, I, I mean, when you when you get the when you get to have tenure in the league, you know, you know what you're doing. I mean, there's really, although you know, although fans love to jump on coaches and whatnot, and it's just, uh, you know, I mean, they, you don't get that far and and stay in the league for a number of years if you don't know what you're doing. Uh, Paul Maurice is a Paul Maurice. If he wants to jump back into coaching, that's part of it too. Yep. You know, he needed, you know, and it, it, almost inevitably guys want to get back into it. Um, you know, does he, does he want to jump right back into it? I don't know. I don't know. Maurice to me is a, is most a, of this year. And, yeah. you know, I think the, the Canadian restrictions with COVID really wore him out too. Oh, I'm sure. I'm, I'm sure. I'm sure it did. Um, you know, and, and I mean, Winnipeg is particularly, you know, that's one of the, that's one of the harder places the coach just in of the fact that you know you have long road trips it's it's a grind it's a grind and uh you know last year they had the canadian division so you're you know you're they had was the last how many 
He played teams what eight times last season. Yeah, it's like four trips to Ottawa from uh, you know from Winnipeg, four trips to Montreal, four trips to Toronto. It's just it's you know it, it was a grind, yeah. and uh, the the team has been through a transitional period. And yeah, I mean he, he needed to some time away. Um, if if he wants to jump back into the fray, I mean he's a he's a solid option. I mean a, certainly a viable option. Um, Jim Montgomery is a name that, I, that I've thought of as a guy who not, not just because he had a brief Flyers connection and a Phantoms connection, you know, years ago at this point, but as a guy who I thought did a, did a good job in Dallas, he's kind of a, you know, a modern day coach. The, you know, he, uh, he could, you know, he, he demanded accountability. He could be tough on players at times, but they all respected him too. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, he kind of knew, kind of knew when to crack the whip and, and when to, uh, you know, be a little more understanding. For a hug. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I, I, th- I think Monty's, uh, you know, Monty's a good guy, a good coach. He has seemed to have his personal life all in order again. So I, there's, you know, he's, he's in an assistant role, but I'm sure his goal is to get back head coaching. Yeah. So that's the guy I thought of. And then maybe we'll see who's, We'll see who's in the market this year. You know, Bruce Boudreaux. Will will he be back in Vancouver? Is he out there? Bruce players love playing for Bruce Boudreaux, yeah. and they'll score. And they'll score. You know, he's he's you know he'll be a guy who I mean has a you know he has a history of that of players who have talent. Maybe maybe you know maybe they played to that level of talent. Maybe they've underachieved a little. A lot of players have their best years. You know, their best career have their career you're playing for them. He just hasn't had, you know, been able to to get deep in the playoffs. Whereas, you know, particularly particularly his years with Washington, right? Yeah. He came in and he they were they became a contender under him, and they finished it out under Barry Trotz. Yeah. Um, that happens a lot know, in sports, though. It ha- it happens all the time. Um, you know, Dean Lombardi years ago was talking about L.A. and when Sutter came in for Terry Murray, and we all you know we all respect Terry Murray, and we know how many players have said that, you know. They never learned more from a coach than they did from from Terry Murray. Um, Terry Murray got them to a point. Sutter got them over the hump. Yeah. And he said, you know, now in a different situation, if you have a team that has everything but structure, you know, has all the talent in the world but needs some structure, Terry Murray might be the right guy to finish that job off. Yeah. It's really all situational. Yeah. You know, um, so that that's the whole point. Who who's the right coach for the Flyers situation? What is the identity you want this team to have, right? Yeah. Do you do you want to be do you want to be a, a team that uh, you know you look at where this team was offensively? Well, we want you know we want to be a team that that's a little more go go go, will score more, yeah, right. Do do we want to have uh, you know it's our number one goal to uh, you know to reduce our goals against average, which was the goal coming into this year, which it happened to a slight degree, but they, this team still gives up too many goals. Yeah. I don't, you know, I, I don't think Barry Trotz is going to be on the market this summer. I don't see Lou doing that, turning him loose. But if, if Barry Trotz were somehow to be available, you open up the checkbook and you bring Barry Trotz in, and to me that would be a no-brainer. Oh God, yeah. I mean, he shaved 102 goals in his first yeah. year from Doug Waite with the same goalies, by the way. They gave right. up the most under Doug Waite that year. Came back the next year, shaved off right. 102 goals. They gave right. up the least. That's right. That's and that's that losing Mitch Corn. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. They lost to Varis that year, and they still scored. Yeah. So you know that I mean that was one of the best coaching jobs I've ever seen in my life. 
So I, I have nothing but immense respect for, for Barry Trotz. If he's yeah. out there, that's to get yeah, the no brainer number one yeah. choice, but, that's but it, it all goes in with, uh, you know, what do you, what kind of identity you want the team to have? Yeah. Um, figure that out first, Bill. Yeah. I'm telling you. I, 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 I think that's step one. I really yeah. do. And me too. You know, there, there are some coaches that can adapt to different rosters, you know, yep. and not, not that he's, you know, you know, not the, that he's the be all and end all and, and he's not a miracle worker. But one thing I always liked about Lindy Roth as an example was he had a Buffalo team that was the highest scoring team in the league. And he just, you know, he tweaked his systems to take take advantage of that. And when they no longer had the Briers and, you know, the real high, the other high end scoring guys, right. They, uh, they, but they had Ryan Miller as a, you know, as a Vezina guy. And so they became much more defensive minded under the same coach. Yeah. So, you know, so there, you know, so there are some coaches who, you know, you say this is a, you know, this is a, this is a Peter Laviolette team, right? You know, Peter Laviolette team is going to be high tempo. They're going to score a lot of goals. Uh, other coaches are more adaptable. So really, you make those decisions as to this is what we have to work with. This is the identity we identity we want, and then you match a coach to it. Yeah, like Torts is the same way. Like he's not going to be a malleable guy. He it's his no. way. Yeah. And, it's it's worked for him. Um, so you know, he's not gonna change that. I mean, eleven of the thirty-two coaches in the NHL bill are either on an interim tag or the final year of their deal. And that's not even counting Boudreaux. He's got another year year, but there's a buyout there. And Free just talked about it. There's a lot of chatter that Boudreaux might not be back. He could be available, but he could also, if the Leafs end up bounced in the first round and change yeah. takes place there with Dubis and Sheldon Keefe, that's the job he's been pining for his entire existence sure <laughs> no and, and the coach that actually delivers a cup to toronto even gets him to the finals since that hasn't happened since 67 you know i mean he's uh you know his legend is made for life right so yeah. imagine uh, Matthews with him. yeah yeah oh, man. So. that would be <laughs> unbelievable yeah there's a lot of interesting candidates out there julian obviously is available and you know you look yeah. at some of the guys that are are not working in that Paul Maurice kind of stature, or you look at some assistants, whether it's Kirk Muller or other guys around the league, like Andrew Brunette's going to sign an extension in Florida. We all know that yeah. he's yeah. doing a good job. Let's get to one more ask Billy here. Last one. And we're going to combine again. Logan G said, how ready is Carter Hart to be the main guy in goal? And what kind of backup could we see next year? And we'll combine that with another one here because uh, a lot of people asking about this, about the goaltending and, and where they go in regards to this. And another guy says, and Dan Weber says, who do you see as the backup goalie next year? Another veteran on a one-year deal? If so, Jones, or they go with a kid. Um, so first and foremost, I think Hart's already the main guy. Yeah. I mean, right. to me, that, that's He's been for a few question, years. Right? So. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. I and he just needs a more consistent environment to have ultimate success and team success. Uh, but as far as what are the options as the backup next year, Bill, I tend to doubt because Carter is still young. I mean, he's going to be 23. He's 23 now, but I still tend to doubt you go the young route with Carter. I think you still go veteran. And I think that Jones absolutely is in that mix because I think he's played very, really well for the Flyers this year. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I, I have a ton of respect for Brian Elliott. Mm-hmm. But I think Jones has been an upgrade on Moose. Yeah. Um, 
you know, and it's not all just numbers. I, you know, there, there have been times just where, you know, I, uh, yeah, he, he's been a very, very solid backup. And I know his save percentage is just over 90, but it's just, it's been the same thing as with Hart. I mean, he, like, again, using last game, he gave up five goals, at least four of them. I mean, he, no one was stopping and really probably any of them, Yeah, you know. And so that you know, that makes the numbers look really ugly, and it pulls you know pulls the overall numbers down. It's really to me a team thing. He's fine, you know. I, I he, he's professional. He's solid. He's he's pretty unflappable, actually. Yeah, you know? very laid back guy. So I, I I think that he has a good temperament. He you know to to do the job. Uh, I think I think he's on the radar to potentially bring him back. If it won't be him, it'll be another veteran backup. I I agree with you. Um, and I don't think it's going to be anybody internally. Um, Sandstrom is an unrestricted free agent this summer, the group six guy. Um, you know, could he potentially come in and, and you know, he's going to want to start. <laughs> yeah. If he, or, he's, you know, I, th- I think the most likely route uh, for Felix is he either moves on to another organization or he goes back to Europe. Yeah. I, I, I just don't I just don't see the cards lining up to where Felix is going to stay here. Now, I could be wrong. It's not based on anything other than just my own gut feeling on it. And, you know, Arison isn't ready yet. And Ustamenko certainly isn't ready yet. So you're looking, you're looking going outside anyway. Well, everybody goes, so, oh, we'll bring over Fedotov. Forget the complication yeah, about bringing Russian right, players and work visas. Yeah, and, and, right. right. And, he'll, and he will be most likely coming over. You know, I, I think, please pump the brakes a little on, on, on Fedotov. It's a it's a big transition from the the big rink to the small rink game. Um, the KHL in general is a low scoring league. I've seen similar. I mean, uh, what what I will say about Fedotov is because he was actually over here in a development camp years ago. And we're seeing him, yeah. And and uh, I, I remember thinking at the time, oh boy, this guy's got a lot of work to do. That was a long time ago. He was just a and big guy. Yeah. <laughs> Very big guy. And a lot of times you get a goalie as big as he is. He's like a Ben Bishop size. I mean, he's, yeah. he's a real big, real big dude. Um, you know, and a lot of moving parts. So the five holes, you know, closing the five holes is a problem. Yeah, and, and, just, uh, and just, and, and just also, and then it has to do with the rink too, just reading pucks coming off the walls out of the corners. You know, he'd go behind the net to play the puck and come out in front and be a tap in because he'd, he'd get caught in no man's land. And again, that was years ago. Um, for a number of years, the 11 network used to broadcast KHL games. Unfortunately, they don't anymore. So it's actually, other than, other than the Olympics, I haven't seen him play in a couple of years. I do know what's involved in the transition, though, that you really have to, you read the, you know, you read it differently on the smaller rink. Um, so much develops off of the, you know, off the perimeter, and it's a wider perimeter over in Mm -hmm. Europe, so you're playing further back in your net because of that. Um, Coming out and and challenging, you know, and then again, there's still still a lot of moving parts there. Um, You know, Sergei Bobrovsky came right over, and although he was expected to be the AHL, ended up starting the majority of games for the Flyers. Most goalies are not Sergei Bobrovsky. Yeah. Um, You know, Fedotov, to me, is probably going to need at least part of a season in the American League. And if he thrives and he looks like he's ready, then you move him up. Then then maybe if you have that veteran guy, you, you know, hey, well, we, you know, we have a young guy who could, young guy who could come up and play some games for us, and maybe we move the veteran out. 
midseason because teams always have goalie injuries. Teams are always looking for depth. So, you know, I, I, one doesn't have to exclude the other. But I'm certainly not I'm certainly not penciling uh, Fedotov right into the Flyers as the number two guy. I think he has a lot to prove first. Yeah, to me, he's not even the best goalie in their system other than Carter Hart. It's Kolosov. Kolosov, yeah. Kolosov is also an unbelievable start. And Arison, you know, don't sleep on Arison long. I mean, it's a shame that he barely played this year because yeah. of injuries. Um, but he, he was rising with a bullet over in Sweden and then came over here, high expectations, and just was not healthy all year. Yeah. Which is, you know, so I, I don't know how much that set him back. Um. You know, he might need another year to get back where he was, but long term, I think there's a guy. There's some, you know, there's some upside there too. So there are some, you know, there are some young prospects in the system, but nobody's going to step probably right in day one next season. Yeah, and you can't put, you can't have a tenuous situation there because if Hart, you know, yeah. there's so many back to backs in this league, and it can be back to a normal schedule next year with no Olympic break, and and if the if Hart gets hurt for, you know. 15 days and has to miss five starts. Like you can't have that sink your season because as tight as things are in this Eastern conference, I mean, you, you one stretch like that and it's over. I mean, yeah. you get, you get, if you're a fringe playoff team, which yeah. is best case scenario, but they got a lot of work to do to get there. Uh, this was awesome, Bill. Yet another fantastic episode. Part two of ask Billy. We'll be back tomorrow. We will recap flyers caps and we will preview How about Flyers-Rangers back-to-back days with games? So a lot to coming up. Thanks to Mike Yo. Thanks to Bill Meltzer. Thanks to you for listening. We'll talk to you tomorrow on a brand-new Flyers Daily. Well, I can't quit you, babe. Put you down for a little while. Oh, I can't quit you, babe. Put you down for a little while.